Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Hi Niall. I'm wondering if you can help me. I'm having a problem with my husband. Aren't we all? <laughs> and he isn't a million miles away from you in terms of his outlook and personality. Hey, what do you mean by that? What's wrong with me? I only mentioned a few minutes ago I was into motorbikes. You wouldn't have known that. Anyway, I'm just telling what's wrong with me now why she said that. Anyway, um, so uh, she's having a problem with her husband. We met nine years ago and I've been married for six he has always loved motorbikes. A bit of a bit of a thrill seeker. The only problem is now we have a chip. We have children: a five-year-old and a six-year-old boy. A five-year-old girl, a six-year-old boy. They love their dad. I thought he might calm down a bit as we got older, to be honest. But he hasn't. He hasn't let up at all, and it's got more into motorbikes. Our young lad is now getting really into them as well, and it makes me sick to my stomach with worry. My husband has been in two crashes since I've known him. One was quite serious. He's okay now, but needs, needs regular physiotherapy. The truth is, I could handle it. It was him, but now it's my son as well that's getting interested. And I am sick, sick to my stomach. I told my husband he needs to think about stopping. And he went off on one at me. I think it's reckless to continue to do dangerous things when you have children. Even worse, when you're influencing them to do it themselves. What do you think? Am I being overbearing and a nag? He got so mad at me that I'm afraid to even bring it up again. I feel resentful because I know I take less risks since becoming a mother. Deirdre. And Deirdre makes a really good point. Uh, and I do remember just, I know it's maybe slightly in a tangent. When my children were young, as much as I would have wanted to continue with motorbikes, I didn't. Because my children were young and I wanted to make sure they had a father for the rest of their life. The same way as I would have also wanted to do things like skydiving or skiing or any of those kind of things that would be considered risky, I suppose, sports in some way. But I didn't do it because I figured if I broke a leg or if I hurt myself in any way, well, I wouldn't be able to provide for them. So that was always a risk factor, a risk, something you would take into consideration. So I want to know, is she right? Is Deirdre right? Are there some dangerous things you need to give up when you become a parent? I want you to let us know what you think. The number is 087-188-0008. That's 087-188-0008. Should you give up those dangerous things in life? Or is that sacrificing too much when you become a parent? Particularly when it comes to motorbikes, by the way. We focus very much on motorbikes in this topic. Personally speaking, if anybody's even thinking about it, don't. I, I know there are motorbike lovers listening tonight, and I welcome your calls. Because I, I remember the thrill. I was between the age of 18 or 17 probably, and 22, I used to race motocross bikes. I drove like a lunatic. I, I, was, I had the need for speed, as they say. I haven't driven them since I was 22 because I knew my heart and soul. I, and Jane was saying to me during the break, were you afraid of the motorbike? And I go, no, 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 no. I was afraid of me and what I would do. I, the bike is not what's dangerous, generally speaking. It's the person who's driving it. And when you drive a motorbike, that thrill of the speed, I, I'm not going to lie to you. It's an incredible thrill. Driving at 80 miles an hour on a motorbike is completely different to driving at 80 miles an hour in a car. You feel the wind blown through your helmet. You feel the wind on your body. You feel the, you, you can actually feel the speed. I'm almost like a walking advertising for motorbikes. Similar. But I don't recommend it. Let me go to Andy. Andy, how are you doing? You're on Ireland's Classic. It's radio. How are you doing, Niall? How are you doing? Uh, I mean, you had a motorbike. Should have. 
You still have? Okay, what sort of bike have you got? Yeah, yeah. I have a 1300cc Royal Star Venture. Right, okay. Okay. But yeah, one, big, wonderful motorbike. Like wonderful. a gold ring. Like a gold ring. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, it's a yeah. wonderful bike. I've had bike. a bike since, I think my first bike I was 19, but I've been on bikes since I was probably six. My dad had a bike. Mm. Um, I kind of have to say, there's, there's two aspects of it. One, I was taught very early on, you don't get any mistakes on a bike. In other words, one mistake is one too many. Yeah. And um, in the years I've been driving, I've had one accident on it. Um, I was very lucky, uh, but it wasn't necessarily my fault. It was uh, something somebody else did, but you have to drive defensively. I would put it akin to, in some ways, the feeling of, and I don't know this for a fact, but a feeling of kind of, you know, Jet pilots and people like that talk about, you know, their senses. And on a bike, you have to be fully aware all the time. But remember, a six-year-old will tell you they want to be an airline pilot, they want to be a footballer, they want to be a pop star. And you say, which one do you want to be? All of them. So if somebody at six is saying to me, or seven is saying to me, oh, I want a bike, that's fine. I wouldn't discourage, I wouldn't say yes or no. But with my um, own children who are now grown up, I said to both of them, look, um, you can change the panel on the car something happens, you, you mm. can't go in and buy spare parts for yourself. No. So I would only do this if you went through CBT, compulsory training, did whatever have you, and that you draw with me for the first while because um, the first six months are very void because that's when you learn. And, and you are, by the way, you are right. Tonight. Motorbike drivers are yeah. better car drivers. People who drive motorbikes and cars are usually better because you're more observant because when you're driving uh-huh. a motorbike, you take it for granted that somebody's going to pull out in front yeah. of you. So you, yeah. you never yeah. second guess somebody. So if you're well, uh, when you're driving a bike, I find even now driving a car, I'm looking you know three junctions ahead to see who's coming out. Yeah. Whereas general well, drivers was, of cars don't do that. Yeah, well, I was trained by a guy, and the guy said basically you have to have inside your head a monologue going all the time, and that monologue is uh, coming up to a gate, farm gate, whatever's yeah. head, blah blah blah, junction, dump dump, and you're talk. It's almost like uh, rally notes in your head the whole time. And you tend to do that in the car now as well. And yeah. you can kind of I still do it. I still do it now. Yeah, and yeah. I haven't driven a bike since I was 22. But but yeah, here's the thing, Andy. I wasn't afraid of the bike. I was afraid mm. of me um, because I was reckless. And I don't mind admitting that now. I was completely irresponsible. I said to Jane at the time, of course, in those days, we didn't even have a picture on driver's license. Um, mm. There was hardly any guards around. You know, I would leave Edenmore in the morning at like 10 to 9 or whatever it was to be in work and the keys, at, you know, at the forecourse there, I managed a shoe shop. And I was there at nine o'clock. I would go through Fairview at hundred miles an hour. I was I had no, a, I had a Katana. I don't know if you remember the Katanas. Yeah. Yes, I do remember. Yeah, it. yeah. And and I had a yeah. Kawasaki seven fifty at one stage as well. I had yeah. a, I had an LC three fifty. The power valve. You remember the power valves? Those. Mm-hmm. They yeah. were called Widowmakers <laughs> for a reason. And I, I was a lunatic, an absolute lunatic. I had no care in the world because I was racing. So I I had that that, that fearlessness in me. So if I didn't get rid of the bike when I, when I did, I reckon I probably wouldn't be here today. Well, there are a lot of guys who drive like that. I mean, I'm not going to say they're not. But, like, you're talking about somebody who, I think the discussion was about somebody who's a bit older. Uh, his wife is no concerned. And my, my answer would be, look, um, there, are, there are things in, in, in life that require you to, and I did for a while give up biking because just financially it wasn't viable with small kids. But as soon as I was, let's say, uh, needing a, a second form of transport, it, it was more viable to get a bike again. 
In other words, you went through the midlife crisis, Andy. Is that what you said? Well, I didn't do. It was quite earlier on. It was just that, like, look, it's always cheaper to buy and insure and tax a bike than it is to have a second car and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Now I have, uh, we have, there's there's three cars in the house and I still have my bike. But back then it was a case of, look, I took a while off it. But very quickly I got back in it. But I will say, I've always been steady and, and my attitude was very early on, and this is why I say my dad instilled this in me, and it was, listen, you really have to, you don't get a minute not concentrating on a bike, so therefore, you really need to know what you're doing and you need to be thinking all the time. And I'm very steady on a bike and I'm, I, would, I would say that as regards a car, I, I'm more likely to, to probably be a little, uh, you know, overcautious. Yeah. Um, whereas on the bike, I'm I'm not putting this before. I'm machine like I'm very very constant and steady. And okay, so I so what what well, well hang on, sorry for interrupting. But what advice would you give this mother who's now concerned that her six year old is picking up the trait, and obviously you know she's fears that he'll want a bike too, and she doesn't want him on a bike. And I can understand because my mother, I my poor mother, I mean God rest her, she's dead now, eleven years or twelve years. But I remember you know when I would go out, there was no such thing as mobile phones. I go out on the bike out to my mate out in Blanchardstown or whatever, and. You know, I wouldn't be back till say half twelve at night. She wouldn't go to bed till I got home. She was terrified that I wouldn't come home, and I feel so bad now. I'm doing that to her, but at the time I was carefree, didn't care. I was a teenager, but I mean, mothers just don't, and mothers care more about their children than fathers. I don't care yeah. what you say. Generally speaking, they well, I'll do. I'll tell you a truth. I'll tell you a true story, and I'm honest, this is possible. My mother got up in the back of the bike with me when I had my first big bike, as I call it. It's a Panther five hundred cc Honda. It was beautiful. She got up in the back and she'd bring me down to the shops. And I'm thinking, all right, so I'm driving down the road. Now, we have a big, long stretch where we lived at that time. It was about two and a half miles straight. And she, she kept slapping me on the back going, faster, faster, faster. And I was getting up and up. We were doing 85, 90. And I was absolutely planking myself. And then she tapped me. She said, drive normal now. And I came back. And was over. <laughs> and on the way back out, she tapped me on the back again. She go fast, go fast. And she kept tapping me. And she said, I could sense how hesitant you were at certain speeds. I said, I knew this, not, this wasn't the way you normally drove. She said, that's why she said, every night I could go to sleep because I knew there's no problem. And I used to come home. Yeah, but, but it, you, you are right. And, and most of the time, you most know, of the time people are responsible. Yeah. But the problem is with a motorbike, you know, bad weather. Although bikes have improved so much over the years in relation to safety. Brakes are better, wheels, tyres are better. Has. Yeah. And the training has. I mean, the training is fantastic. I mean, nowadays... The, the, just the basic CBT is good, but the kind of advanced training, and I got the advanced training you can get. And But it just doesn't matter because something can happen. The guy who trained me was six times the uh, World Motorcyclist of the Year. And two years after he trained me, he was on a, a trip that was going to bring him to China and across China. And going through uh, Paris, he was struck by a woman and killed. And, just, and that's the problem because you have no protection. Would you, do me a favor, stay there, Andy, for a second. Let me just go to yeah. Mark as well. Mark, hi, how are you? Good, good. Uh, Mark, would you discourage your child? You have a bike, by the way, and you have a nine-year-old. Would you discourage Correct. your nine-year-old for having having a bike or going on a bike? Uh, I wouldn't, but uh, not uh, at this at this age. Not at that age. So no. I, I I got my my bike uh, first bike when I was twenty-five years old. Okay. Basically, after I grew out of that uh, rebellious uh, and, as, as you said, the kind of uh, irresponsible uh, age. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And what sort of what sort of bike have you got now, Mark? 
I got a BMW touring bike. Okay. All right. Okay. That's a kind of very sensible bike. Isn't it? <laughs> we're all very sensible here tonight. Maybe that's because we're all a bit older. But um, in saying that, it's still, you know, it's still dangerous. You know, and it's not dangerous because of you. It's dangerous because of it's a bike and there are other road users around. Well, definitely. The bike is inherently uh, unstable device. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's not kind of kind of meant to be ridden on on two wheels. No. Uh, but the the bike offers something that other vehicles don't. That's the different per- perception of your surrounding, of your environment, and everything else. Depends why and what you need bike for. Mm. If you need bike to enjoy life. To uh, see see the sights, see the uh, see the uh, kind of scenery and things like that, then the bike is good good option. And I would definitely and and I can see that that my son is is uh, picking up on that. That the bike is for relaxation and for enjoyment. Would you would you like to see him when he gets older? If he's like seventeen or eighteen and comes to you and says, "I, I want would, to get a bike," definitely. you would you, would you not be fearful? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be clear I, about it. I don't know the actual statistics. I'm sure they're available somewhere. But I think you're probably more likely to be killed on a motorbike than a car. Uh, and yes and no. Uh, well, statistically, are, I imagine they, you are. I, you, know, you know that statistic is the very precise way of uh, making a point. Uh, so depending on what point you want to make, if you want to make statistically, there are definitely more deaths and more killed in, in cars than there well, are on bikes. Well, that's because there's more cars on the road. I'm talking about per head of population. In other words, you know, if we had the same amount of bikes as cars on the road, well, then I think statistically you're more likely to die on a motorbike. I mean, if, you, if a car hits you at 30 miles an hour, you know, and you're on a motorbike, you're more likely to be killed than if you're in another car. If you're in another car, you'll destroy the car or damage the car, but you're not going to damage yourself most likely. That, that, that's definitely, definitely true. Uh, but looking at that statistic, how many people are killed or die by uh, falling off the the let's say curb, okay. Okay, hitting I've, the head? Okay, so, I've got I've got the stats here. Okay, if you want to, I don't know whether yourself and Andy are ready for this. Definitely want to hear that. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, the stats are the chances of fatalities on a motorcycle accident are approximately 30 times higher than that of a car. Motorcycle accidents have a staggering 80% injury or death rate, while car accidents remain at about 20%. So you are 30 times more likely to die in a motorbike accident than you are in the same car accident, if you know what I mean. That's, okay. That, that, question, that, that, there's a statistical fact for you. So, I mean, be clear about it. They I, are more dangerous. And I don't argue with those statistics, but the question is... Uh, what is the statistic of actually being in the accident in the car versus in the in the uh, on the motorcycle? Is there a statistic like that? Okay, well, okay, in the UK, I can give you a statistic. Even though motorcycles result in three percent of all registered vehicles, they are accountable for over five percent of highway fatalities. So, in other words, even though they only represent three percent of the population of people on the road, they represent five percent of the fatalities. So that just goes to show you that you are more likely to die on a motorbike, no matter what way you look at it. There's no, there's no way to soften that up for you. <laughs> yeah, Niall, just to say to you there, um, the, the amount of fatalities 
has to be also be looked at as regards how many of them are single bike accidents as opposed to bike accidents with another vehicle. Mm-hmm. And if you go down that road and just logically you go down that road, you would say, well, you know, people on bicycles, people's uh, pedestrians, that's a statistic. And then you look, do we all drive armoured cars? Do we make cars in such a way that they're basically not fatal to us, but fatal to others? There's a whole gambit of that. But if you're trained, if you get through your first bit of experience, that's where the big thing is to get your experience, to get to read the road and do everything. And you actually have, I'll be honest with you, it's it's almost Darwin type of a thing whereby a lot of the time, and I'm, 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 I hope people don't get too mad about this, but a lot of the time, a lot of the guys who get injured and hurt are the same guys who, they're going to get injured and hurt no matter what to do. They're careless. Well, no, no, and the statistics bear, well, the statistics do bear that through, that once you reach the age of 40, the uh, the thirty figure thirty times more likely to die reduces to twenty. Uh, once you reduce reach to the age of forty, and ironically enough, here's another interesting statistic: twenty five percent of motorcycle fatalities are motorcycles hitting fixed objects. In other words, walls, curbs, falling on the ground, or hitting a pole, or whatever it is. Whereas with cars, it's only eighteen percent. So, in other words, a lot of them, a quarter of them, are not involved in an accident with another car or another bike. They're just hitting a wall or something. It's speed, and, and mm. I mean. Let's be honest with you, no matter what you say to some people, they're not going to change. There's there's the thrill aspect of it. But then there are, there. it depends. It's it's like anything. I mean, we have guys who drive very badly in cars as well. I mean, we it, it's a gambit of people and personalities. But to blame the actual, let's say, bike or, or the motorcyclist, I think is kind of wrong. There's not much training given. Mm. And I, I, you, you may have had it. I'm only talking about... Like uh, uh, we're around the same age. I'm 60 next year, so um, um, I would have grown up in the time where you know you you got your provisional license and you went out and you drove. Uh, whereas now that's you right, yeah. somebody with you. And yeah, I, well, I can't even drive them. I mean, because I obviously didn't do a test, even though I could drive all sorts of bikes when I was 18 to 22 yeah, on my old driver's yeah. license. I can't drive any bike now. Well, I can yeah, drive a 50cc. Yeah, we had a different kind of with a different background as such. But what I'm saying to you is that um, really now. It's it's really about uh, uh, what training is given to somebody who's driving a car about a motorcycle. Nothing. I mean, you're not told, you know, uh, about their movement. You're not told about what to expect. You're not as a driver. You're not taught about the other people on the road. Uh, exactly. By the way, and Terry Ann makes a really good point. She says at least with motorbikes, they have to pay insurance and wear a helmet, etc. But please do a show on the new scooters. With no helmets, uh, no bright clothes, no insurance, etc., etc., and it's not just scooters. I met a guy the other day, lads, and he was on. I thought it was a motorbike. It looked like a motorbike. It looked like uh, one of my first motorbikes, which was a DT one seven five, which is a kind of road version of a motocross bike. And it, for all the world, it had the knobbly tires on it. Looked like a motorbike. I was talking to him for a few minutes. It wasn't a motorbike. It's a scooter or a bike, a push bike. Yeah. But it had a massive battery on it. And I said, what's the speed? And he said, it'll do up to 80 miles an hour. And I said, do you have to insure it? And he said, no. He said, it's a push bike. But I said, it doesn't look like a push bike. And he says, it is. It's registered as a, as a push bike. That's, and, and this is where the law is confusing at the moment now because of mm-hmm. electric, these electric motorbikes. But hang on, let me just go to Terry. So, and Darian is right. This whole idea of scooters, they need to be taken off the road. Honest to God, they're just lethal. Uh, Terry, hi, how are you? How you doing, Niall? Um, Interesting listening to you there, but I I will say to you, I'm 58 years of age now, 
Um, when I was 15, 16 years of age, I was impressed. I, I, I actually fancied this fella and he had a motorbike. Yeah. And I think the boy racer is in everybody yeah. when they're trying to impress the board or whatever. Yeah. And I was trying to impress him by by not being frightened to get onto the bike with him. Yeah. And within a half an hour, <laughs> I was down in Stephen's in James's hospital. Oh no. We were after having a, a bit of a, a a bit of a bang. Yeah. Um, a car was coming towards us. He he kind of, like, he was young as well. He was trying to impress me. Now, we weren't going massive states, but we I ended up in the garden. He ended up beside me. He limped off with the with the bike after, before the, the police even came. I ended up down in James's hospital. We were down there for a few hours. And, the you know, the footrest on the back of the bike yeah, ended yeah. up in my leg, oh, in my no. shin, in my shin. In yeah. My shin. yeah. And actually, even to now, to now, I was on holidays there in Turkey there a while ago, and actually, the girl, you can nearly put your finger into me shin bone. Oh, God. From it. Now, love went out the window that night. Because I'm sure it did. <laughs> he was gone. And so he just abandoned you in some front garden. Yeah. Yeah, but look, at I didn't, you know, I. it's not even, I don't think, um, I actually just think that there's such a thing there that there's, no, you know, when somebody, regardless of whether you say people are going to be uh, responsible or not, I think it always comes into the fact that um, the boy racer is there, there's, there's an impression that they're going to try and impress a board or somebody. Like you even said, you were trying to impress the, the girls. The girls at the bus stop, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's in everybody. It's in everybody. I think it's particularly in men. It's that testosterone is milling around the body, you know what I mean? And we're trying to impress everybody, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but I I think in the in the women it's also as well it's that little bit of you like that little bit of bad, madness or badness that's in somebody you know you like that little bit of a thrill, so you're going to go for that as well. And I actually came home from the hospital that night, and we got home at about just say half one, and my friend and a fella that we we ended up we had to walk home from the hospital. Now I'm after going in with an injury and we like my friend's mother was waiting for her behind the hall door with the with the sweep and brush and she better because it was so late. My mother was waiting for us and I got a high I got a bit of a hiding when I went in as well and I was saying I was in a motorbike crash and they didn't believe us. Mm. And a week later the two mothers was in the hairdressers and my friend's ma had seen my leg and my ma told she said, I saw her and my ma says, don't be minding them. She says, they were old chasing fellas. Oh, right, And okay. my ma came home from the hairdressers that day and got another, I got another few classes because why didn't you tell me you were telling the truth? Yeah, but I, and it's lethal. And I wouldn't mind, generally speaking, and I'm sure Andy and Mark are aware of this, the pillion passenger fares off worse if there's an accident because yeah. at least the driver's yeah. hold on to a set of handlebars and has a fair idea what's coming before it happens, whereas the pillion passengers, all they're doing is holding on to somebody's jacket. So generally yeah. And here's interesting statistics for you is again, lads and ladies. Um, the most common times for a fatal accident on a motorbike is 3 o'clock in the afternoon, believe it or not, not at night. Um, most accidents happen during the day, not at night. Um, the majority of motorbike accidents happen in the rain, according to statistics. And also a survey shows even greater female ownership within younger generations. Among the Gen Z motorcycle owners, 22% are women 
uh, um, and 20, uh, Gen Y, 26% of women. But the majority of motorcycle owners, uh, only one in five are generally female. So it's a kind of man thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah but I think that... women, if you see a woman driving a motorbike, you can always see she's a little bit more cautious. She's a little bit more cautious. Now, sorry, Andy. Well, hang on. Sorry, Andy. What are you trying to say there? Sorry. I was just going to make the comment on your statistic there. Uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, broad daylight, not at night. The difference is at night, they can see your headlight and people in cars and whatever can see you. Yeah. In the rain and in... Well, actually, no, I, that was my mistake. Sorry, not it wasn't the rain, yeah, but yeah, but sorry, yeah. Because yeah. I think people drive more so cautiously in the rain. Visibility, visibility. Every time I've ever seen or been around or stopped at an accident with a motorbike involved or spoke to guys afterwards, the same thing is said by everybody. Jesus, I didn't see I him. didn't see him coming. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I mean, it, it is a visibility. And, but thing. but, here, but here's what I can't understand. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry, and I just want to go back to Mark. So, Mark, Mark, are you still there? Yeah, I am. I mean, listening to all those stats, Mark, and I'm sure you're a responsible driver like Andy and everybody else, and Terry, I'm sure was responsible at the moment you got on that bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in saying that, why would you want your nine year old? And I'm not having a go, by the way. But why would you want your child to drive a motorbike when they would be much safer in a car? Why would you not discourage them? Well, because at, at some stage you have to risk assess your 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 actions and everything else. You can't live under a bubble. You can't do absolutely everything uh, and 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 enjoy life. So if you if you do absolutely everything that is the safest that is absolutely risk-free, then you don't get the feeling of of, uh, enjoyment, basically. And at some stage, you have to weigh the risks and and make a risk assessment. What is acceptable risk? Mm. And but that goes back to me saying that not at this age, in in order to, to make that risk assessment, he had to to live the life and understand what are the risks, and to to uh, give a, a bit of of that uh, uh, comment on 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 uh, risk and everything else. Mm-hmm. You can barely ever see the uh, biker or motorcycle rider who is texting, who is uh, looking at the phone, who is. Uh, uh, changing the the radio tunes and things like that. When they sit on the bike, so well, sorry, Andy. What what are you saying, Andy? It's because they can't. Uh, driving a bike, you look in and you see people with a cereal bowl in their lap eating their breakfast. I, on their way to work. I understand. So the guy is doing makeup. Seen doing. Like, yeah, I see a girl one day drying her hair with a hairdryer plugged into a cigarette lighter. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't believe what. what Why I, do you? I'm going to be honest. I was driving down Panakill there in Swords <laughs> recently, right? And there was a guy on a motorbike and he was driving on the hard shoulder. He was doing about 40 miles an hour. I was overtaking him. And he was driving on the hard shoulder. And his helmet was lifted up onto the top of his head. You know what I mean? On the top of his head. In other words, it wasn't down over his face, right? And he had no hands on the handlebars. And he was texting on his phone as he was going along. I've never seen that like he's, it in my life. He's the proper proper candidate for Darwin Awards. <laughs> yeah. and, and I have no problem with that. Yeah, yeah. And it was in the news last week, by the way, that there's a huge problem with people watching Netflix on their phone while driving in cars. 
Uh, they're not touching the phones, so difficult to actually do anything about it. Yeah, I, I know. I know cars won't allow you to watch it on the screen while you're driving, uh, unless it's the back seats. But the idea of watching Netflix on your phone, you know, on a little cradle or something like that in the front of you while you're driving a car, just seems bonkers to me. Particularly if there's an interesting bit you don't want to miss, and you're in traffic, and then you come out of traffic. Anyway, listen, I have to take a break. Andy, Terry, Mark, thank you very much indeed. Keep texting, keep WhatsApping. Would you discourage after everything I've just told you about the stats? Only one in five people drive motorbikes. You're 30 times more likely to die in a motorbike. That's just a fact. Statistical. You can argue with me all you want. You could be the best motorbike enthusiastic person on the air. Come on the air and, you know, argue with me and debate with me about it. But that's a fact that you can't get away from. And the reason is that people in cars just don't see them sometimes, particularly during the day, as Andy rightly pointed out. At night, they're more visible. Um, I'm asking you, would you discourage your children? And if you drove a motorbike... Would you suddenly Ireland's stop Classic Hits true. Radio. Yeah, a lot of people, by the way, texting in about scooters, including Darianne, who said she was knocked off a scooter twice. And we say, oh, knocked off, knocked off a scooter. She said, um, uh, we, have, uh, take the, we have to take those scooters off the roads. Uh, to two occasions, I was nearly knocked down by scooters on paths. And of course, they do. They drive on the footpath, if you want to call it driving. It's reckless what they do. And we need to bring in more legislation. That was our previous Minister for Transport, by the way. Um, you know, and, and obviously uh, our current Minister for Transport as well, uh, Eamon around the Green Party, you know, wants everybody on bikes and all that kind of carry on. And, you know, they're encouraging people onto these electric vehicles, uh, which have no tax, no insurance, no nothing. And it's madness. It's only a matter of time. Somebody will be killed. And then we'll be all going, oh, we should have done something about that. And then it'll be too late because someone will be dead. So we need to do something about it. We've already seen people being killed, by the way, pedestrians in the UK. And I think there was one actually last year, wasn't it, in Ireland? So we need to do something about it before somebody else is killed. They're, they're just The idea that you would mill along and hurtle along at 30 or 40 miles an hour, kilometres an hour, on a little weenie thing with tiny wheels four inches wide, is just bonkers. Let me go to Pauline. Pauline, how are you doing? Hi, Nard. Um, just yeah. Getting back to, to motorbikes, what would you do if, yeah. you, if you had a child? Would you would you encourage them or, you know, to go on a motorbike? I drove. Uh, we when we were growing up, we had trial bikes. Do you remember them? I do indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the lads used to pick us up on a Sunday, and we'd go off these. They were like fields where they had um, tracks, and they yeah. were great fun. Yeah. But they were purposely for them. And yeah. I know. I actually, I think I drove it. 650 myself at one stage, you know, you go through the teenager, mm. but anyway, or yeah, actually, 18. But, um, I have no objection to people having involvement in sports, but as in dangerous ones, that is. But, um, the thing about the scooters is it's like the cars that are electric, you can't hear them, no. so you're you're a sitting duck, but no, then that's are, yeah. That, yeah, as we all know, they don't want anybody moving out of their 15 minute cities in the future. And to have a scooter, you'd be lucky. But I think they are designed like the silent cars to knock people over. But that's my my take. Yeah, on no, them. I know. Look, I, I'm absolutely agreeing with you. This this idea yeah. that we're encouraging it, I think, is madness. Yeah. Um, absolute utter madness. I mean, we don't yeah. we don't allow motorbikes. That I mean, years ago, yeah. a lot of people used to drive mopeds. Do you remember the old mopeds? Yeah. And they yeah, only I had. A, I, I had a moped at one stage. They only have a speed limit yeah. of forty kilometers an hour, forty miles an hour. And we had to insure yeah. them. We had to license them. Well, you know, you had to have yeah. a license. You had to have insurance, uh, tax, all mm-hmm. those. But now you have these scooters that go exactly the same speed and you don't need anything. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Well, you don't I, even drive on the footpath. I had a little uh, student stay with me years ago as a Spanish kid. Now, he was only 12 at the time. But when he was 15, when he would be 15, he was allowed to get 
like a moped or a scooter to go to school all the kids did. Mm. So I have no objection to those. That's common, but, yeah, it's um, common get, on the continent for that to happen, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But getting back to what um, the, the researchers called me about, they asked if I would object to, uh, if it were my husband who was uh, involved in motorcycling, mm-hmm. um, as in a motorbike, if we had a family. I will tell you, a, a coinc- not coincidental, coincidental, but um, a tragic situation that happened in my own life um, during at the course of my marriage I always wanted to foster and I went on a fostering course I believe it was the very first that they ran in this country um, and I, I think yeah it was three I wanted to take to foster three and yeah. preferably siblings in fact I believe on that course the amount of people that were on I think it was, it was 48 objected so much to siblings being separated that from then on, to the best of my knowledge, they tried their very best or didn't do it any longer, as in separate siblings. Yeah. So my goal was to take three. And on the on the fostering course, I actually was pregnant and miscarried. So a lot of people on the course couldn't understand why I was on it in the first place. Truth being, I always wanted to foster. But the um, thing is, we met a lovely couple who had two lo- lovely little boys, uh, a beautiful couple, and... I think either he just got a new... No, he was involved in motorbikes. Okay. He had been involved in motorbikes and I think had gotten a new motorbike and they had had their first placement as in a foster child. I think it was a trial placement and um, he went out one Sunday morning and was killed off the motorbike. Oh, so wow. Oh, wow. So it was sad. absolutely tragic. But um, so And then the thing was, while I was on the course, like I said, I was carried. And I was told by the fostering authority, the Irish fostering authority, that if you had be, became pregnant within the first year of a placement that, or intended to, um, or were pregnant during the process of the placement within the first year, that you couldn't actually mm. foster. So yeah. obviously, I showed them the door because, and then I was told that that wasn't their policy. It was that's what I was told by the person who was assessing us as a couple at that time, um, that that was the policy. There was no qualms about it. But then I was told later it wasn't the policy. The whole thing is the whole thing is an absolute mess in this country in any case. Well, but it is. That well, is we, we spoke the, about that earlier on too. Yeah, yeah it is a mess. I yep. don't know. I wasn't listening in tonight now because I was just sitting out in the garden So, and I got the call, so I didn't hear it earlier on. Yeah. But that was that was very tragic. So for that reason, yes. If my husband, although I wouldn't object to him doing what he wanted to do, whether it's car racing, motorbike racing, people have their loves, their passions and their hobbies and interests, I would worry because of what I experienced because it was so tragic. It was yeah. oh, no, I've, look, I've heard, I, I was involved in the motorbike community when I, was, yeah. when I used to drive the bikes. And so many yeah. people that I knew were killed on motorbikes and they died yeah. on motorbikes. And, and it is tragic, you know, and okay. they're more likely to die on a motorbike than they are in a car. That's just the facts. So yeah, uh, it, it is a sad fact. Bad. But listen, thank you very much indeed, Paulie. I have to go into news now, so I do apologise. Uh, we're running a bit short on time. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Thanks to everybody who got involved in that conversation. After the break, by the way, I'm going to be speaking to a leadership coach. Before I do that, let's have a quick listen to one of our WhatsApp messages that just uh, came in about the motorbikes here. Right. Hi, Noel. I uh, love the show as usual. Um, I'm just listening there about 
to scouters and all and stuff like that. Yeah, it's madness uh, the way they fly around like that. But you know what? Really, really should be banned off the road. What? And the people that engage in this should be arrested. What? The people that go out on their push bikes and have a little cart in front and put two or three little toddlers in oh, it yeah. and out onto morning traffic. Oh, right. They should be arrested. Couldn't Honestly, agree with you more. Couldn't sickening. agree Yeah, sickening. Couldn't agree with you more. I, I see him one day and she had three kids on the push bike. She had herself, obviously. She had a kid on a little seat on, on the crossbar. She had another kid on the back of it. And then she had this pole with this little dough, like this little ball with a wheel on it attached to that with a baby in it. I, well, I'm assuming it was a baby. You could just see the little teeny head. And I'm going, and she was on a dual carriageway on the, in, on the obviously on the inside, on a dual carriageway. This is in swords, by the way. And I have to be honest, I looked at her, and I'm sorry if you're listening, you are one irresponsible mother. Can you imagine if there was an accident? Can you imagine your whole family wiped out in one go? All three of your kids in a very vulnerable situation. Bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. I'm sorry to all the cyclists listen. I know you love your bikes and you have a passion for it. But bringing three children onto a dual carriageway is just irresponsible on every single level. And here's another one I've seen recently. A father with his daughter behind him. She was cycling behind him. He cycles across a busy intersection with her cycling. She's about five behind him, milling behind him. Not once did he look back. A busy intersection. I would never allow a five-year-old cycle a bike through city traffic. That's lunacy. Absolute lunacy. Unless you have no value in your children, of course. Then it's not. It's perfectly sensible. Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio, the multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show.